Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sky Guasco, this is episode 77 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. I am joined by Daniel Sancato recapping our 2018 gamers and players we told you not to draft, as well as five bold predictions and crazy calls each in regards to fantasy. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to give you a reminder about our open intern position here at TCK Pod. We're looking for interns to join us at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. And if you're interested, please send us an email at tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at the Candlestick Kids and let us know what you can bring to the team. We are currently seeking content creators, a social media coordinator, podcast co-host, and guests to join Daniel Curley and myself a podcast producer well-equipped with audio and editing experience, and we're hoping for some video enhancements, including a YouTube channel in 2019. This sounds like something something you're uh, into. Please get at us. And as of now, these are not paid positions, but our goal is to grow to a point where we can accommodate and compensate appropriately. Until then, however, we are counting on the support and teamwork of our listeners and community. But that's enough business talk. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor's the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Daniel, good morning. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Uh, just uh, been kind of a hectic week trying to figure out uh, where I'm going to be living for the next year of my life, but uh, a lot of, lot of kind of a uh, job and uh, you know, family stuff. But other than that, everything's going good. Can't complain. Uh, I, obviously, we are... Uh, in the Bay Area, so our weather here is pretty good, but it sounds like you've been dealing with some uh, some craziness in Eugene. 
Yeah, it's nice, man. Actually, uh, we don't get a lot of snow up here. Um, of course, in the Northwest in general, there's a lot of snow in the area. Um, there's a lot of snow in the state of Oregon, uh, but mostly in the mountains, um, not so much in Eugene. We're based in a, in a valley, in the Willamette Valley here. But uh, this morning, um, <laughs> my family and I woke up to a foot of snow, um, and I think they're calling for like 13 to 16 inches over the next, you know, 24 hours, which um, – is serious. Uh, so right. and for it all to show up in one time is pretty impressive. So school was canceled. Uh, work was canceled. Uh, my family's at home. Everybody's chilling. So we're having a nice uh, unexpected family day, which is, which is always nice. And, and all the neighborhood kids are out front uh, building a, a huge snowman. Actually, I was quite impressed uh, with how short everybody is. They got it up there pretty high. <laughs> um, so they made a nice, uh, nice snowman and, and uh, everything looks good. So uh, the few yeah. restaurants that are open in town today are getting slammed and they're, they're doing really well. So uh, yeah, everything is good. But uh, actually, you know, it's crazy, man. We did have a couple friends who had like trees fucking fall through their house, like through the yep. cabin. We have a good friend who lives in the woods. She had a tree fall straight through her um cabin out there oh, yeah. and uh so you know it can be dangerous and those you know those listeners living in the midwest east coast or upper north of the country at all are probably laughing um because you know we get three days of snow a year which i understand but the reality is we're just not prepared for it um yeah. so yeah. when you're not prepared for it it becomes dangerous so um it is what it is and uh i'm just looking forward to the to the family day and chilling but it also gives me a little bit of time to slow down and focus on the podcast as well, which is exciting. So we've got a fun episode today. We've got a recap episode of our gamers and our will not draft list, as well as our bold predictions and crazy calls. Uh, let's get right into it, man. This is interesting. When I was going back through my research and kind of uh, updating my notes of, of what we predicted last year and what came up throughout the season, I was pretty surprised. Um, I've actually, I feel like, you know, not to toot my own horn by any means, I'm sure you have uh, similar results. Um, I was just stoked at how accurate, I ended up being most of the time. Um, yeah. There's of course a handful that are just fucking not close. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I blew it on a couple for sure, which I'll call myself out on. But for the most part in the bull predictions and in these categories, um, you and I both, uh, I think we're actually more accurate than not. And I was really uh, just stoked on that. Um, it gave me kind of, you know, more um, legitimacy with myself that I'm, I'm doing this correctly and, and having fun doing it. So, It's amazing. I'm the reason everybody fired up this evening. I'm exhausted. Gamer. Here's the best. The best, Jerry. You still don't understand what you're doing, this day. Perfect organism. It's structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. So amazing. So amazing, it's amazing, so amazing, so amazing, so amazing, it's amazing, I'm a monster, I'm a killer. Let's jump into it, man. I'll, I'll go first here. Let's go with our gamers first. We'll do our gamers. That's uh, one position each in the quarterback or one player each for uh, each position, quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. My quarterback yeah. gamer uh, was Drew Brees, and I predicted um, that he was going to be challenging 
Aaron Rodgers for the QB1, uh, which, of course, did not happen. Um, but basically, that was based on the new addition of Cameron Meredith and Ben Watson coming back into town. Um, Alvin Kamara returning to form, which that certainly happened. Uh, and I just wasn't sure what was going to happen with Mark Ingram at the beginning of the season. Drew Brees was coming off of a career year in many different uh, categories last year. Of course, they fell just short with uh, the Minneapolis miracle and all that in 2017. He was the QB five in the ADP off the board. So I was feeling really good about it. And he didn't quite, you know, push Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he finishes the QB eight, but I'll take it. Uh, Breeze finishes yeah, the QB eight after, after an ADP um, of the QB five and playing in only 15 games. So if he played that extra game, his stats probably would have been uh you know, significantly boosted knowing Drew Brees. Um, and he sat out uh, week 15 or week 17, rather, resting up for the playoffs where the Saints, you know, accidentally lost to the Panthers somehow, but um, it didn't really count for either team. Anyway, he was QB7, however, in points per game and just one point per game behind Big Ben uh, for QB3. So really, with that extra game in week 17, Drew Brees could have backed into the QB three position potentially. So pretty stoked on this one. Uh, Brees had less than 20 fantasy points in nine games, but five of those games were weeks 13 through 16 when the saints were basically banking on the run and uh, solid defense to store away the victories, keeping that number one seed uh, in the uh, playoffs. So, um, uh, let's see when he needed to throw, he did, and he did well and basically as good as ever. Um, he was tied with Andrew Luck for the least amount of sacks allowed in the NFL was 17. And he hit his annual average of 32 touchdowns right on the nose, which was up from 23 in 2017. Uh, he had his highest yards per attempt since 2011 at 8.2. And he fell just eight yards short of 4,000 yards for the first time since 2005. So wow. 14 years in a row, he threw for 4,000 yards at least. He, and he fell just eight yards short eight this yards year. Short, yeah. uh, and also he set the record for most passing yards in NFL history, most uh, career completions in NFL history, single season completion percentage in, in uh, NFL history, again, breaking his own record from last year and is only 19 career touchdowns away from Peyton Manning's most all time, uh, which I think he'll get. Um, halfway through 2019 barring injury. So Breeze remains one of the most consistent in the game and showed no signs of slowing down. He's not sexy per se. Uh, he doesn't really have that Mahomes um, upside, you know, but I'll certainly take him over probably. Um, I don't know. I'll probably take him over everybody except for maybe five or six quarterbacks in my drafts. And I think he's a gem in the middle of the round. So he may be my gamer for next year as well. Uh, but I was really stoked on Drew Breeze. Very consistent, had a couple down weeks, but that wasn't, had nothing to do with him. It was more a game plan situation. So right. love me some Drew Brees and he's getting old too, but certainly not slowing down. No, I mean, dude, you can't, how can you argue with a guy who completed basically three quarters of his passes, uh, you know, 32 to five TD interception ratio. I mean, that's, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, and, and, you know, it'd be hard to call that any type of disappointment. So uh, my gamer was, was Russell Wilson, who's a little bit more of a, complicated I guess person to talk about in this sense I, you know it's weird in some sense this goes down as a disappointment in terms of you know him being quote-unquote gamer status he had the lowest number of passing yards since 2013 for him uh 3,448 uh, you know but it's it's hard to necessarily say that he busted because he was still I mean it's funny it was this is 
out of all the quarterbacks, I think is the one that's going to seem like one of the biggest disappointments, despite the fact that there was no noticeable difference in his skill set. When he was allowed to throw the ball, he was fantastic. Um, when he was allowed to actually rush, he, he looked like Russell Wilson. Um, it's just, it seemed like he's just a kind of a victim to Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer's unbelievably bad play calling, <laughs> which handcuffed him all year, despite the fact that he looked quite good when he was allowed to air it out. Um, and stubbornly just stuck with the run over and over and over again. And, and um, ultimately and this, cost him a playoff win, I think. Call him a, call, absolutely cost him a playoff. They just stubbornly stayed with the run to the tune of, in that in that in uh, the wild card game against the Cowboys, 2.8 yards per carry Oof. on 21 total carries, and they still wouldn't let Russell Wilson give it a shot to air it out. I don't know what their deal was. But, um, but you know, he, he managed to salvage his overall fantasy performance via some really, really good touchdown luck, uh, luck which is a little – uh, scary to rely on going into next year. I still maintain that he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. I think he's a good bet to uh, pretty soon exceed Aaron Rodgers' record-setting salary on his next contract. Um, you know, he, he remains, I think, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the game overall with a relatively low floor, or excuse me, relatively high floor due to his, uh, you know, wheels and, uh, and uh, you know, ability to, to be successful in the red zone. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, you know, play calling and, and overall kind of scheme made it more difficult for him this year than it should have. I still think he's, you know, easily a QB one going into next year, probably a middle tier QB one, I would say, um, based on the fact that I'm hoping that, you know, the Seattle coaching staff kind of learns from, from some of their mistakes and let let's Russell Wilson go back to being Russell Wilson. Um, so, but nevertheless, I would be unlike this upcoming year where I was, you know, unbelievably confident about him, you know, I'll be drafting him, you know, potentially interested in him in a, in a draft next year, but with a little bit more trepidation after kind of how he was handled this year, but, uh, we'll see what happens. The good news is he's still an iron man. He never sits. Um, you know, he's going to go out there and play every game. Um, uh, so, you know, there's still a lot of upside to taking him, but it's a little, I'm a little iffier on him than I used to be. Let's put it that way. Sure. And I think, uh, you know, again, much with Drew Brees, uh, Russell Wilson has no negatives personally. Um, I spent, uh, and you'll see, you'll hear through this segments in, in the next couple, you know, recap episodes, I banked all off season on the Seahawks. I know I'm eating shit. I get it. But, yeah. but that was, that was an injury thing. That was a coaching thing. It had nothing to do with Russell Wilson. I kept backing it up with, I love Russell Wilson. I don't like the team in right. the situation. So Russell Wilson, had I mean he's twentieth in attempts, twentieth in completions, eighteenth uh, in yards, but third in touchdowns. So I mean he's obviously able to yep. do it and having that reliable, you know, reliable uh, efficiency with Tyler Lockett and he didn't even have Doug Baldwin, you know. So just right. I yeah I'm with you man. And I <laughs> if if Russell Wilson was on any other team in the league uh, minus maybe yep. the the Raiders or the Dolphins, I'd scoop him in every league. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, he'd, be, he'd be unbelievable. He's an animal. Sure. And, and uh, you know, all this Kyler Murray talk, I mean, let's not forget he was a, he was a stud baseball prospect as well. Um, so obviously yeah, he's got that sure. cannon and athleticism. So love me some Russell Wilson, man. That's awesome. Um, so good call. So so. I'll, go, I'll, I'll go ahead and give myself half a victory in the sense that I still think, <laughs> he's, I, still, I still think he's a baller. He's a gamer. Um, 
in a, in a kind of a rough situation at times, though. Yep, there you go. Fair enough. Let's move on to the running backs. I had Ezekiel Elliott as my gamer for the running back position. He was going as the running back number four in ADP. I actually had him as my uh, – I think ultimately I had him as my third running back, but I do remember that we had an episode at one time, uh, the rankings episode, where I had mentioned that um, – depending on Travis Frederick, who ended up sitting out the entire season, if he was healthy, I was going to put Zeke as the number one running back over Gurley and Lev before the Lev shit show, obviously, um, right. last year. But I did uh, have high hopes for Zeke, and I actually had him as my number one running back before Frederick ended up uh, missing the season. But uh, Zeke finished fourth this year as well, so right on the nose with his ADP, and that's good enough for me. Uh, Zeke Elliott finished fourth uh, in PPR, which matched his preseason ADP. In only 15 games, Zeke led the league in rushing attempts and yards with 1,400-plus, but was tied for just 10th in rushing touchdowns with six. So obviously he wasn't able to get in the end zone um, as much as uh, fantasy owners would like. Uh, He was fifth in the fantasy points overall and seventh in fantasy points per game. Uh, He only had nine total touchdowns which is not going to get it done as a number one running back in general, but certainly not a top, you know, three running back. However, that'll change in 2019 drastically. Uh, Zeke failed to surpass 15 fantasy points just once and was over 20 in eight, uh, in eight um, of his games and six of his last seven were 20 plus games and three of those were 30 plus games. So Zeke obviously has those huge game upsides. He didn't have Travis Frederick, as I mentioned, for the season, uh, he missed Zach Martin and Tyron Smith for grips of others and was without Amari Cooper until halfway through the season there. So with everyone healthy and a true number one threat at the wide receiver uh, for the first time since Dez, I think he is you know, going to remain a top running back. And as of right now, uh, he is my number one running back heading into 2019. We'll get into ranking episodes later on. But for me, it's between him and Saquon and uh, – just overall situation and team, I'm going to give the edge to Zeke as my number one running back heading in. So I'm going to give myself uh, give myself a full point on that one. Um, hit it right on the head with the ADP, and, and Zeke uh, is a beast. And honestly, I think he could have had a, a far better season um, if they had a receiver um, before Amari came into town to take off some of that workload. But Zeke obviously is a beast, and I don't see any of that changing, barring an injury uh, going into the 19. For sure. He'll definitely, he, he'll, you know, the touchdown thing is, is, is fluky. I think as we've seen with, with Julio Jones and, and others who were sort of pegged as, as having, you know, bad touchdown tendencies, but, but no, he's, he'll he'll be fine. (laughs) He's uh, he's, he's probably the, in terms of pure running, I think he's maybe the best in the league right now. So, uh, so, so no, uh, no, no uh, arguments for me there. Um, For my gamer, uh, In contrast to, to Zeke Elliott, I chose uh, good old Lev Bell, who, uh, you know, had a wonderful season, season uh, sitting on the couch eating chips or whatever it was that he was doing. He was, um, he was uh, wasn't he partying? He was in Miami? Was he in my- partying, partying in Miami, at least for a decent chunk of it. That's true. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So partying in Miami, uh, uh, you know, not having any, having to practice at any point, um, you know. Must be things. nice. Oh yeah, must <laughs> yeah, must be okay to say the least. Um, anyway, we'll we'll see what what the deal is for this year. Not much more to say uh, about the Lev Bell situation. The, these predictions, these episodes uh, were recorded long before the the you know the real drama. I think it was sort of 
you know, the, the general consensus was, you know, yeah, he's, he's doing his left bell thing that he does, but he's going to be, you know, he'll come back and he'll play and everything's going to be fine. I don't think anybody really saw it coming until it got closer to the season, the, you know, the season opener, you know, just what was going to happen with the left bell situation. Really one of the more remarkable stories, I, I think, in, in that I, since I've been following the NFL. Um, so, so nobody, I don't think, truly could have predicted it. But uh, anyway, uh, needless to say, uh, that, that goes down as an offer for me, I think. Um, but I will say, you know, I, I, I do have relatively high hopes again for Bell this year. I know there's been some reports coming out about he's super overweight. Uh, they, his trainer and others have been kind of disputing that claim. Uh, I think my personal opinion is I think he, you know, the odds are that he's slimmed down, slimmed back down by now. He's looking for a monster payday and free agency. Um, but nevertheless, uh, for, out of all the kind of, you know, running back ones heading into 2019, and I do consider him to be a running back one, um, he probably, I would say, has more question marks than, than any of them. Uh, you know, the, the definition of, of boom or bust, I think, heading into the next year, does he still have it in him? Uh, he should in terms of his age and, and just what we've seen from him, of course, over the course of his career. Uh, the reason why I loved him so much heading into last year is because his usage was off the charts compared to basically every other running back that existed, uh, maybe except for Gurley. Um, and, you know, we're going to see what type of situation he ends up in for next year. But my sense is, is that it'll be in a situation where he's going to receive similar usage. Um, and assuming he's in shape and assuming he's still got it, he could be, you know, a tremendous value, uh, you know, coming in, you know, maybe the eighth or ninth or 10th or so running back off the board. Um, you know, whoever takes him in that range, I think, has a chance to have some incredible value of getting one of the top rushers in the league. Um, but obviously he comes with more, more question marks than most. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see what happens, but um, you know, so I'm still kind of in his camp heading into 2019, um, but I could end up eating those words for a second year in a row. We'll see. Right. I scooped him up in a mock draft, <clears throat> excuse me. I scooped him up in a mock draft uh, recently and just was kind of talking myself through it. And it was like, if the season starts tomorrow and he's in a decent uh, situation, um, I, I think that he's going to be a steal, yep. right? Um, if he returns to 80% Le'Veon Bell, he's going to be a machine. I think the biggest question is, was he a product of the Pittsburgh offense or was Le'Veon Bell Le'Veon Bell? And I think it's going to be a mix of both. Yep, maybe. But ultimately, I think, you know, a year off, he, he might be doing the Marshawn Lynch thing and come back you know, plenty healthy and obviously significantly younger. Yes. So um, I think he'll be, I'm going to give him credit for now. I'm going to, I'm going to let him, let him, uh, you know, lose his weight, gain his muscle. I think he'll be fine. Took a year off, whatever. Um, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. And I think he's going to crush ultimately, unless he ends up on a, in a shitty situation yep. or he gets hurt or something. But anyway, yeah, uh, tough call on the thing. I mean, but obviously you, you couldn't tell, I mean, the worst case scenario, people were like, he might miss two or three games right. and hold right. out or something till the buy or whatever. And it just every single week was like another week, another week. And all of a sudden it was like, well, he's just not going to play. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, then. well the, those of you that dropped drafted him uh, first overall, uh, whoopsies. Um, okay, cool. So let's move on from Lev. Then I'll go, go to my receiver here. Uh, it was uh, Stefan Diggs, And um, this was actually pretty much spot on as far as where his ADP was and where he ended up. But uh, I'll take I'll take a little bit of a, a, a punch um, that I thought he was going to end up basically as a top eight receiver. He actually finished twelfth um, overall, which was just one off of his preseason ADP of eleven. So 
again, not bad. I didn't swing and miss or anything like that, but I, I consider this maybe like a, maybe a foul ball here, just like a, you know, <laughs> yeah, good, you a good, like a good hack. You made good solid yeah, exactly. Couldn't quite, uh, couldn't quite keep up with it. So maybe, maybe like a home run foul, you know what I mean? Um, right. So not, not quite uh, Pedro Serrano, if you will, but um most uh, most of my belief in Diggs was my disbelief in Thielen. And it's not like I dislike Thielen per se. I just had bought into the Cousins hype and thought he would be able to push the ball downfield more often, benefiting Diggs over Thielen's intermediate game coming in from 2017. Um, Diggs had over 20 fantasy points in six of his 15 games that he played in 2018. And he was just 17th in rece- uh, receiving yards, but eighth in both receptions and touchdowns. So he was able to get the quantity, which you actually made a point in our previous episode that you were worried that Diggs wasn't going to get the amount of receptions uh, possible to do that. He had over a hundred receptions, 102 receptions, which I was surprised on uh, as well. Um, but he, he had over a thousand yards and, and uh, was able to get it done with the touchdowns as well. So Diggs was stable and had big games, but uh, a bit disappointing overall, considering he had the ninth most targets in the league and he had 10, 12, 16, and nine fantasy points in four of his final five games, which isn't terrible, but not quite what I expected and certainly not what you were hoping for heading into the playoffs from your stud receiver there that you probably drafted in the second or third round. Um, I can see him outproducing Thielen in 2019, though, uh, with the running game returning to Minnesota and helping bring up the safeties to account for Dalvin Cook being healthy. Now, I made this case last year, and Dalvin Cook got hurt again, so it didn't work out. So if Dalvin Kirk, Cook gets hurt again, <laughs> nothing I can do about that. But <clears throat> if Dalvin Cook is healthy and they retain uh, Latavius Murray potentially and they just have a solid running back there, uh, running game, I think that they're going to lean that way, which they did in the second half of the season. We saw what kind of damage Dalvin Cook can do. Therefore, I think that opens up the play action more, and that's bigger play potential for uh, Diggs. So, again, um, not quite, but, but I'll take it. Uh, I think this is close enough to 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 give the uh, give the cred here, but um, I think it could be even bigger next year. Although I think they're going to re-sign Thielen, probably pay him handsomely. But uh, Diggs is about to get Diggs is about to get his, in my opinion, with uh, with Kirk Cousins. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100. Um, percent I think you know I, I think definitely there's enough in that offense to to sustain you know both of those receivers. I think. Um, and uh, you know, there's still there's still some chance that that cousin could uh, could make some improvements. He's, he is you know still I think quite talented. As much as he can be frustrating, uh, he faded a lot down the stretch. But um, but uh, you know, ultimately, I think uh, you, you know Diggs is a solid bet to at the very least repeat what he did this past year. And I think we could see some uh, some significant gains made. He's still super young too, so a lot that could go right there. Uh, in terms of my, let's see what I do here for my baller. Um, Odell Beckham was my, was my baller pick for receivers. Interesting. Another kind of sort of weird one in that he certainly, I don't think anybody could call him a bust. Um, I mean, what he did ultimately in uh, 12 games, he got what, uh, let me try to find his numbers here. Uh, 77 catches for 1,052 yards and six touchdown uh, in just 12 games. So he topped a hundred yards or scored a touchdown in eight of his 12 Dude, games, he's a beast. He's uh, a which beast. is pretty impressive, ultimately, on a per-game basis. <clears throat> he's a beast. In terms of raw talent, again, I maintain that I think he may very well be the most talented receiver in the game, uh, ahead of guys who are going to be drafted ahead of him next year, like Nuck Hopkins, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, with respect to all those guys. Um, but, uh, but, man, I, I 
you know, there's a few things, obviously. One is the situation we're going to have this. He's going to be a name to monitor over the course of the offseason in terms of whether or not he's going to get traded. He's been linked to the 49ers, among other things. Um, you know, and, and there's no there's no secret that he's been quite vocal about his displeasure in, in uh, New York, um, particularly in regards to you know, his usage and all these sorts of things. Um, in general, the New York Giants offense has been kind of in shambles, uh, with the exception of Saquon Barkley, obviously the further degradation of Eli Manning. It looks like he's probably going to be back as the starting quarterback of, in 2019, gross. at least uh, to start the year. Uh, yeah, it is, it is freaking gross, to be honest. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and the other issue with, with Odell comes back to uh, health. Um, played 12 games this year. He's only played, I think, all 16 games once in his uh, professional career so far. Um, so, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, when he's on the field, he's going to be a stud. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, you're going to have to potentially prepare to have some games where he's going to sit out and you need to have some, some solid backup plans. So, um, again, still wide receiver one perennially, I think, um, you know, but he's definitely uh, kind of like what I said with Russell Wilson, you know, until we get some clarity on his situation uh, and get some clarity on, on whether or not, uh, you know, the Giants are going to make some changes or if he's going to get traded to a team with a better quarterback situation. Uh, you know, until then, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about him with a little bit more trepidation than I did before. But um, but and again, in terms of raw talent, he's tough to compare uh, to anybody else. I think he's just he's just that good. Um, but there's there's going to be some significant worries with health and situation and all that. So we'll see another one to kind of hold your breath on over the course. Totally of the offseason, agree. I Can't really add much, much more to that. I think he's just another wild card like Lev. You know, is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? Um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. And, of course, we'll be reporting that uh, via Instagram and the podcast when those things go down, if they do. But um, either way, I think it's a I think it's a great call with Odell as well. Let's move on to the tight ends here. I had uh, Zach Ertz. Um, I think I mean, you and I both crushed it. And I, I think this is kind of kind of a cop out now that I look at it. But. Uh, ultimately we didn't know they were going to be this dope, <laughs> but I had, I had, uh, I had Zach Ertz and nailed it. Um, Ertz followed up his breakout 2017 season with an even better 2018 campaign, setting an NFL record with uh, 133 receptions by a tight end. Um, Ertz finished tight end two behind only Travis Kelsey, who you will talk about in just a second. But he was only behind him by eight PPR points overall and just one half point per game. So he almost, uh, he almost got him. <laughs> but either way, uh, he had more than 15 fantasy points nine times, including seven of those over 20 fantasy points and two of those games over 30. Now, folks, again, we're talking about a tight end here. Uh, he had five games with more than 100 receiving yards and five games with 10-plus catches. Um, he also had over 10 targets in um, all but six games in the year. Ertz was first in receptions, third in receiving uh, targets, and third in receiving touchdowns for the tight end. I personally have Ertz as my tight end three heading into 2019 behind Kelsey and Kittle, uh, but that's only because I think that the other two, Kelsey and Kittle, have more big playability personally overall and can just kind of make a, a larger gain happen. Obviously we saw Kittle with a couple huge touchdowns, Kelsey as well. I just don't know that Ertz has that speed, uh, definitely athleticism, but not necessarily the speed to get away there. 
And it's not really the offense of the Eagles in general for the big plays. That's more of an Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar situation, assuming those guys stick around. But I will be um, targeting Ertz as one of my top three tight ends in the late second to early third round, depending on the draft position. My only concern with Ertz at all is the up and down quarterback position, especially if Nick Foles leaves town, which he should. And if Ertz or uh, Wentz gets hurt again, we'll see who ends up being that quarterback and what the relationship is there. But Dallas Goddard also, who's kind of the, uh, the Trey Burton of last year, um, Dallas Goddard is the truth. And I think a force to be reckoned with himself. So love me some Zach Ertz, but uh, he, he takes a downturn for me this year a little bit. Yep. Yeah. I think I agree. I think it's just uh, in terms of talent wise, those three are, are all basically equals. It's just, it's going to come down to, to situation and, and uncertainty and things along those lines in terms of differentiating the three. Um, and that, you know, segues nicely into my baller tight end, which is Travis Kelsey, um, which again, yes, I agree at the end, uh, you know, looking at it postseason, it almost feels like a cop out. However, there was some, uh, a little bit of uncertainty regarding Kelsey going into the air. There was a lot of stuff that I was reading that were actually thinking that he was going to, I don't know about bust, but at least not play up to his ADP because there was a lot of uh, sort of uncertainty about what Mahomes was going to do and whether or not Kelsey was a product of kind of the, the, the offensive system that they had with Alex Smith and things along those lines. They had also brought in some more reinforcements uh, in the likes of uh, uh, Sammy Watkins and, uh, you know, we're going to have presumably a full year of, you know, Kareem Hunt playing really, really well. Um, and so there was a lot of things where, where people were saying, well, Travis Kelsey is really talented, but it's not clear what his usage is going to be this year. Well, that obviously proved to be uh, it not a concern at all. In fact, he had a quite a historic campaign, uh, 1,336 yards during the regular season, second most by a tight end in NFL history. Could have had the most, but lost quite like a, a couple hours really later. Just <laughs> neck and neck yardage race with George Kittle and my god it was just like one of the most awesome you know tight end kind of yardage duels I think the league has ever seen probably ever will see although we'll see I guess maybe we'll maybe we're gonna have prime to have many years of that to come not so sure but um he is going on 30 I will say um Travis Kelsey kind of quietly it seems like he hasn't been in the league that long but he is you know uh starting to get up there not old per se but just one thing to keep an eye on not necessarily for next year but in the subsequent years after that um, but he has posted three straight thousand yard seasons, uh, assuming he stays healthy, which he's generally been able to do. Um, you know, he'll easily be able to, to get to that four digit mark uh, in 2019 with Mahomes uh, somehow potentially being better. We'll see if he makes if he makes further progress towards becoming the best quarterback in the history of NFL. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So needless to say, I think that's out of my four ballers. I think Kelsey is the only one that you could call an unequivocal win. Uh, in terms of in terms of what he did this past year so draft him confidently in my opinion he's undoubtedly the top tight end heading into 2019 Ertz and Kittle not far behind um, but Kelsey for me given the quarterback situation um, and just the overall talent level uh, he's, right. he's and, he would be uh, Kelsey finished o first overall uh, in tight ends in fantasy points but he actually finished second in receptions receiving yards and uh, receiving touchdowns in the league um, so you could almost make a argument that he has room to grow which is kind of terrifying um i mean you know he's he's kind of the the current uh rob gronkowski of, of a few years ago and um you know again gronk had these years and we're like man it just you know it's it's got to be an outlier it can't get much better and he just stayed there for five six years so with mahomes and this offense and everything else going on i 
I could certainly see Travis Kelsey maintaining the next couple of years, barring an injury. Uh, but I, I think you're you're right. The age, I don't think the age is as much of a deal with tight ends, only because you know they're not. Um, they take longer to develop and all these other things, and they last a little bit longer because they can block and stay in uh, right. and all the shit. But um, I think it's definitely something to report. So <clears throat> um, good call there, and uh, we nailed it on the tight ends, yeah. and overall pretty solid. I mean, you kind of got screwed with uh, with Lev for sure and Odell a little bit, but overall I think we were pretty pretty solid all around. Um, no straight-up misses with our gamers there. So. Um, those are players that we thought would maintain or exceed their ADP with consistency. And I think all of our players, with the exception of Lev, of course, um, did so when they were on the field. Let's turn the page now to the players that we will not draft. Don't talk to him. Get out of there. Do you hear me? Get out of there. Get off my lawn. Don't you know me? Don't you know that that's an impossibility, that that could never happen? That I'd use all my power to keep something like that from happening? They wouldn't touch us with a 10-meter cattle prod. You shall not pass! Okay, well, let's switch gears here to the players that we deemed uh, that well that we would not draft going into 2018. These are players that we expected to underperform their ADP with consistent basis. So, with the gamers, we expected them to maintain or exceed their ADP. These ones, we expected them to underperform their ADP. And uh, Dana, why don't you go first here in the quarterback position with your first player that uh, last year you said you would not draft. Yep. So for me, this was, uh, this was Kirk Cousins, uh, who, you know, I guess, you know, in retrospect, you know, saying flat out that I wouldn't have drafted him may have been a little strong. His first season in Minnesota, I think you have to ultimately say goes down as something of a success. He completed over 70% of his passes. He had 4,298 yards, 30 to 10 touchdown interception ratio. Uh, you know, he has an amazing supporting cast, which will all, who will all be there in 2019. So, um, you know, I don't think, you know, I'll go so far as to say I wouldn't draft him this upcoming year necessarily, but he still comes with significant, significant question marks. And that's displayed in the fact that I think he finished as the, what was it? The 13th overall quarterback uh, this past year. Um, and if you look at just kind of average per game, you know, he goes down a bit from there. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, you know, he, he, the same, the same, I think criticisms that people have always had against cousins, I think you could continue to make. Um, that he, you know, some, oftentimes breaks down in the red zone. Um, you know, he wears down as the year went on. He's kind of had, after a really, really amazing first half of the year, he kind of showed signs of breaking down throughout the second half of the season, um, ending the season with just a putrid loss to Chicago in Week 17. Granted, of course, it's Chicago. Everyone looked mm -hmm. putrid against Chicago this past year. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, there's – I think he – my assessment of Kirk Cousins really hasn't changed between – this, uh, the start of 2018 and, and now, um, and that, you know, he's, he's, I think forever going to be a solid late, you know, QB kind of back end QB one, maybe front end QB two sort of player. Um, but his upside is limited by his, his red zone capabilities. Um, and the fact that he tends to just, you know, make 
bad decisions and, and, and kind of stall when it counts. Um, but, you know, you could do a lot worse in terms of fantasy, especially with the receiving core that he has and is going to continue to have. Um, you know, I don't know if I would slap the will not draft tag on him going into 2019, but, you know, he is he's Kirk Cousins. He is what it is. He doesn't have the upside of a lot of the other uh, top quarterbacks in the league. But um, but, you know, ultimately, I have to say that, you know, I, I guess saying would not draft going into 2018 may have been Kirk Cousins. I'm not harsh. in love with him either. And we, we know that uh, Curly is certainly not a fan. Um, but we, you know, I, I would say that I would say that, you know, if, if Kirk Cousins, I don't know that he'll fall out of the, the, the top QBs drafted just because of the name, the team, the weapons and all that. But if somehow, like whenever I do a mock draft, I swear it's like all the quarterbacks are gone. Each team has a quarterback. The top 12 are gone. And then it's like Rivers, Wentz, Dak, Trubisky, things like that. Right. Goff, whatever. If somehow Cousins right. fell in that mix, Cousins is definitely the dude I'm picking out of that kind of. The uh, bottom, yeah. bottom QB one, QB two area, right? Just because of the upside, all those guys have their like, and we'll see. Cousins has the ability, the team, the weapons, and the arm to get it done. Uh, Rivers does too, but you know he just yeah. he's kind of just Philip Rivers every year, which is great and super consistent. But I think Cousins is Philip Rivers with a little more upside depending on the situation. So um, I yeah, I like that call and. And honestly, man, I, I think I'll, I'll give you credit in that you nailed it. I mean, you know, he was going as the QB seven, you know, so, 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 mm, you know, not yeah. amazing, but again, uh, certainly not terrible in his first season. And again, any quarterback going into a new team and a new coaching staff is going to have ups and downs. And he certainly had some shitty games, but he had some really good ones too. And uh, again, he had no running game. Uh, well, you know, Latavius Murray again, wasn't terrible, but didn't have Dalvin cook for most of the season. I think that really changed what they were planning in the off season. You know what I mean? Game plan wise. So took him a minute to get going, but I, I agree. I, I expect him to actually be better in, in uh, 2019 too. So let's uh, let, let's move over to uh, uh, the darling in San Francisco here. Uh, my boy, Jimmy Garoppolo, who I still claim I, I I'm, I'm creating a movement um, that has yet to catch steam, but hopefully I can, I can propel enough. Uh, just a hashtag rather have uh, Mullins is my, is my movement and I'm sticking by it. I want to see Jimmy G and I'm trying to give him credit, but it's really frustrating. I didn't really like the move when he came over and then he just had a kind of a bozo, uh, you know, injury, which I can't knock him for kind of, but it was really dumbass play <laughs> when he, he wouldn't go out of bounds. He got smashed, ended up tearing his ACL. He was done. So anyway, yeah. Jimmy G was going as the QB 10 uh, in ADP at the beginning of last year for draft. I made a note here that I would rather have Matt Stafford, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, or Big Ben over Jimmy G in my drafts. Every one of those guys was going after Jimmy G in drafts last year. Big Ben, Ryan, uh, Phillip Rivers, and Stafford. With the exception of Matt Stafford, I certainly would rather have had Rivers, uh, Matt Ryan, or Big Ben for sure, even with Jimmy G staying healthy. So, Nailed this one. Injury or not, I'll take it. Uh, Jimmy G tore his ACL in week three, as I mentioned, and was out for the remainder of 2018. In his small three-game sample size, we can gather that this was still a good call. Um, his 16-game pace would have averaged out to roughly 56.6 completion percentage, which would have been 21st in the NFL behind Lamar Jackson. That's right, folks, who doesn't throw the ball. Uh, would, have had, uh, would have had just over... 3,800 yards, which would have been 14th in the NFL behind Derek Carr, who I think everybody deems uh, somewhat of a, a bust in Oakland there. Um, 
25 and a half touchdowns, which would have been 11th, tied with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, which I thought was really surprising that both of those guys only had 25 touchdowns this year. But nonetheless, 11th in the league and 256 fantasy points, which would have led him to uh, end up the season at QB 16. So if he's fully healthy coming in to uh, training camp um, in 2019, I expect a solid bounce back for sure in year two of Shanahan's offense with potentially a healthy cast all around him, but um, not super stoked on Jimmy G. But again, he had his own injury, which destroyed his season. But ultimately, even if he was healthy, Matt Breida was hurt. Jarek McKinnon went down. Marquise Goodwin missed time. Garcon went down. Uh, George Kittle was incredible, but, you know, tried to carry the team as is, and, and they were only able to get four wins. They had a rough defense. So I'm not sure that Jimmy G was set up for success last year anyway. So I'll give him. I'll give him a little bit of, of uh, leeway there, but definitely, you know, frustrating if you bought into the hype, you got him as your QB 10 uh, off the board and um, you know, he got injured and, and was out for the season. So definitely disappointing there for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Let's move on to the uh, running backs. Unless you have any comments about Jimmy G there, unfortunately there's not much to report except for expectations for 2019. Cause obviously he did get uh, injured there and was out for the season. Do you have any comments there? Do you want to move on to your running back? No, no, I think I just think, you know, everything, every reason why we had concern about, you know, Jimmy G heading into last season kind of played out, admittedly, in a small sample, just in terms of, you know, everyone kind of talks about, you know, the talent and what he did in the brief moments where he did play when he was in New England and all these sorts of things. But, you know, his his inexperience showed and actually it showed in that play that got him banged up. Um, big time. Uh, so I think this is kind of what it comes down to with, 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 uh, with Jimmy G is that he's going on what, 27 or something along those lines, 20, right? I'll, or is he I'll older than that? I think 27. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, he's barely played any NFL snaps is really what it comes down to. Um, and, and so there's a lot of concern. I think he would be, he, he would remain in, in kind of my do not draft zone uh, potentially heading into next year although I could be swayed by you know good if he looks good in the preseason but um but we'll see we'll see how it goes definitely yeah a lot he of is concern. he is he is 27 uh, just to let you know um and unfor- unfortunately for him um being handsome doesn't win games uh and you know honestly like it was disappointing because I think you know and we're 49er fans and I think we're the only people who weren't didn't have a hard on for his 5-0 and end of the season you know, like it just we watched right. them play and like, yeah, they got wins, but they weren't like amazing and, and they beat bad teams and they caught fire at the right time, which was awesome. Um, I don't know. I just not really stoked. And we'll see what happens this year. But as a 49er fan, I'm just not like gung ho that like this is our guy. You know, I'm just I'm not really not really into it. And honestly, you know, Mullins wasn't incredible, but I, I think I'm I'm half joking, but half not joking. I mean, he wasn't bad. Uh, and I think that. Uh, he showed that yeah, that he no, could definitely step in, not into CJ Beathard um, so much, but but you know I think Nick I think Nick Mullins uh, awesome. Nick Mullins could certainly um, prove to be a, a quality backup, if not a starter, eventually in this league. And if Jimmy gets hurt again, I would I would actually feel good about a healthy 49er team surrounded by a second year uh, Nick Mullins in that offense. So we shall see. Uh, why don't you jump into your running back? Yep, and this one I, I think I, I feel uh, unqualified success in terms of saying I, uh, I didn't want to draft him, and that's Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, and in some sense, this went beyond even what I thought. My my concern with him heading into the year was his health and whether or not his ankles and all that stuff would be able to hold up. They didn't. He only played eight games, 
Uh, and even in those eight games that he played, he was quite frankly bad. Uh, he averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Um, you know, he did get in the end zone a bit. I think he had six touchdowns. But, uh, but you know, ultimately – and then it ended the year with getting suspended, which kind of set off a chain of events that, that really, you know – completely annihilated, seemingly annihilated the relationship that he had with the Jaguars, uh, voided the remaining guarantees in his contract. Then at the end of the year, Coughlin, uh, Tom Coughlin, just absolutely laying into Fournette in the press. Um, you know, and now I guess they're trying to sort of mend fences, fences, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if he was out of there. Um, and in general, again, he just, ha- he hasn't been healthy. And when, even when he has been healthy, he hasn't been that good. He's starting to look kind of like a lost cause for the Jaguars. That's not to say that he, c- that he couldn't catch on with another team. Uh, and, you know, maybe he gets a, a run of good health and he sort of finally lives up to some of that massive hype that he had coming into the league. But he remains on my do not draft list mm. heading into 2019, barring a major change in scenery or a, uh, you know, some, some, you know, good looking evidence that he's healthy and able to run effectively. Um, I, he, for me, he's definitely somebody that I'm staying away from, from in the absence of, of any, you know, game kind of game changing information that we're going to get, but he's, he's way too injury prone, way too disgruntled and generally hasn't been effective enough for me to, to warrant being all that interested unless he fell really far um, in the draft or something along those lines. And I would take a, you know, a mid round flyer on him or something along those lines, but, uh, he's definitely yep. scared. I think me a one thing that much. would help Leonard Fournette, uh, outside of having you know healthy feet and legs, uh, would be uh, a quarterback of any competence. Because if he had somebody that like had linebackers, DBs consider the pass more effectively, I think they would back off. You know what I'm saying? And and Blake Blake is just not that guy. Um, now, one thing uh, interesting with Leonard Fournette, you mentioned the 3.3 yards per carry, which you know I'm not a huge uh, you know, yards per carry guy per se. I think that that number skewed a lot, both like really high and really low. But when it's over, I'd say more than five, six, seven games in a season, I think you can start taking taking some notice to it. And the big thing I noticed is that Fournette had 95 yards in back-to-back games week uh, 11 and 12 against two stout defenses, honestly, in Pittsburgh and Buffalo. But he did not rush for 100 yards in any game this year and he had uh he had over 15 carries one two three four five six times and he also had less than 60 yards in one two three four five six of the eight games that he did play so just not consistent he did you know fall into the end zone a few times there but um just wasn't healthy enough overall to make it happen and definitely not not your uh you know i mean if you drafted him he was going as the rb8 so you either got him at the back of the first round, the beginning of the second round. I actually – I challenged you on this at the beginning uh, – last year because I yeah. was in, dude. Yeah. And I was like, look, if he's healthy – I brought up – I brought up – I brought up the fact that he had, he had two of the fastest plays in the NFL in 2017. And I was like, dude, this kid is amazing. He's a fucking beast. He's huge. He's super fast. He's kind of Adrian Peterson-esque, um, but hurt all the time. And he got hurt again. And that's why I'm worried about him. I'm worried about Dalvin cook for the same reasons. So, um, you know, I think it, it worked out for you. And even if he was healthy again, you're looking at the numbers, he wouldn't have finished as the RB eight. And that's what we're basically ba- basing this on. So good call there. I'll move on to uh, shady McCoy. And this one, man, I feel like this one is kind of cheating, but uh, nailed it here. Um, shady finished 40th in fantasy points overall behind Fournette. Uh, who missed all of 
or some of 10 games. So Leonard Fournette, as we mentioned, played, you know, eight ish games. I think he actually played six full games because he got hurt in two of those other games. But either way, Shady McCoy finished behind him. Um, and he was 44th in fantasy points per game behind Chris Thompson and Peyton Barber, who were both uh, either hurt or terrible. Um, so Shady McCoy, not get, not get right. it done. Uh, he had less than 10 fantasy points, um, 10 uh, PPR fantasy points, that is, uh, in eight of his 14 games that he played, including two zero burgers. So he had two games that he played a full game, and he got zero fantasy points somehow. Shady had Shady had three God. fucking rushing touchdowns in 14 games. Dude, that's, you know, that's enough of that. Do not draft LaShawn McCoy for the rest of his career. Um, it's kind of a cop-out now because he's super old. He's on a shitty team, and he's just behind him. And, you know, again, I said this last year. The, the, the shadow of Shady McCoy is kind of disappointing because you're seeing him, like, just dissolve into this, like, laughing stock of a running back. Five years ago, he was one of the best running backs in the league. When he was with Philadelphia, he was fucking, you know, he was Shady McCoy before, or I'm sorry, uh, Le'Veon Bell. He won me a league. He won me a exactly. league. Basically. Exactly. Uh, so, so the talent, yeah. you know, the talent was there. He's incredible. I'm not hating like who he's been. Uh, now he's got some off the season, uh, off the field situations that I that I don't agree with um, that are still pending actually too. So I try to I try to dig into this, and I don't know if you know off top. If not, we're not going to go into it because uh, I don't want to speculate. But um, there's also some. There was like a, a potential domestic situation coming into last year. It got sh- you know swept under the rug. I don't remember if anything happened with that. I tried to look it up. I didn't really see anything. I kind of thought the idea was that it's still pending and we know how the, you know, the NFL goes, this might, this might take place in 2019. He might randomly get suspended for four games or six games in 2019, seemingly out of nowhere um, because it kind of disappeared. So again, don't know if that's going to happen, but I was also worried about that shit coming into the year last year. Um, Either way uh, he was going as the running back 16. He finishes the 40th running back. Um, So just not feeling it. The bills are terrible. Um, and I don't see that changing much on an NFL perspective. And I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a couple of draft picks or a younger option to uh, spell Shady McCoy this year in Buffalo. Yeah, I think in general, there's, there's no doubt that they need to start, uh, you know, figuring out what the future of their running back position is. Um, I don't th- I'm not quite as anti-McCoy heading into the upcoming year as I think you are. I think I agreed with you heading into this past year because I think he was being way, way, way overdrafted. And obviously he was, Um, but you know, it's one of those things now, you know, when we did our mock, uh, you know, recently, uh, you know, I drafted him. I think I got him in like the mid kind of mid late rounds. And if he fell to me at that point in the, uh, in next year's draft, I would consider doing that in a real draft too, just because he is as it stands pretty much the only game in town in Buffalo. I think you could re- even at his age. I think you can reasonably expect some improvement uh, if if, the, if Buffalo makes some improvements in the offensive line, uh, things along those lines. I think a second year of fully healthy Josh Allen might uh, potentially improve his prospects. Um, so I'm willing to entertain him given how far he's fallen in the rankings. But uh, but I agree with you. He's a he's a shadow of what he was. Definitely not somebody that you can count on to put up. Uh, you know, amazing numbers. You just have to hope that he gets usage and kind of falls into some touchdowns here and there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I agree with your assessment that he's definitely, you know, not even close to what he was, not somebody that should have been, had any business being drafted where he was being right. drafted last year. Um, 
No doubt about it. And the domestic the domestic abuse things, I don't the last I heard about that, it was there was some kind of some weird stuff happening where there was that they had sort of found some evidence that maybe the, the, the his accuser was was not being fully truthful mm-hmm. about what happened. Um, and it kind of just went away. I don't know if it's going to come back. These domestic abuse things have a way of kind of, uh, you know, sticking with these players and, and, and for good reason, as, as it should. The NFL should do everything in their, you know, in their power to pursue you know, what's really happening, but it's not a Kareem Hunt situation where, you know, there's visible proof of, of what happened. And Kareem Hunt, I would not be surprised if he does not play in 2019. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, the, the McCoy situation seems to have at least temporarily kind of gone away. We'll see if it resurfaces. Definitely something right. to keep in mind right. though. Totally agree. Um, okay. Where am I here? So I, so it's funny. I was looking at this, at my spreadsheet from the, from, from what we did for our picks and it said for my, my will not draft, it just says wide receiver Thomas. And for a second, I was like, I did not realistically dude. say Michael Thomas, did I? I would never have said Michael Thomas was a do not draft. I was looking back at my yeah, notes. And it's it's hilarious Thomas. you say that because I, I saw the same note here and I, and I was like, I was like, man, you're, you're about to eat crow like, big time. <laughs> I was like, this is going to suck. My God, this is worse than um, like I somehow have to justify why I thought this. Turns out I didn't. Um, I will say I don't think I was I – I quite had – any any sense of no. what Michael Thomas was going to do? He he surpassed my expectations, but nevertheless, I would have never slapped a do not draft label on him. Demarius Thomas, though, I'll go ahead and 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 gloat on that one. I was absolutely one hundred percent right in terms of he is, you know, he's been declining for the last several years. He hasn't been anywhere close to what he was in his prime since probably what I don't know, two thousand fifteen, maybe. Um, and uh, and now, obviously, you know, 31, coming off of a devastating Achilles injury. Well, he got, he got recovery. released. I'd be surprised um, if he even plays again, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. He's, his career might be over, and if at the very least, it's going to be a long time before we see teams having any interest in, in re-signing him. Um, but, you know, in, just in terms of the 2018 season, you know, he just continued the further kind of degradation, uh, you know, that's been, that had been going on for the last few years. So he, he kind of kept with the – trajectory that I that I believe that he would that he would have um and uh you know there was some kind of optimism I think mid-year people thought that he you know he went to Houston and would be in a better quarterback situation um but you know he had basically no value there at all um so uh so I think that's we've we've probably seen the we may have seen the last of Demarius Thomas period and I think we've definitely seen the last of him Mm -hmm. as a fantasy commodity um so it's kind of an unfortunate, unceremonious end to what was ultimately a pretty impressive career. He had some pretty, uh, pretty astonishing lines, uh, fantasy lines, and, and and real performances when he was in his prime in Denver. Um, but uh, but kind of like what you were saying with with Shady McCoy, uh, you know, I kind of perceived that he was long gone heading into 2018, and, and I think I was right on that. So I'll go yeah, and I'll- take that victory. Unfortunately, I don't I don't like to I. I don't feel positively about it because I like Demarius Thomas, but, but uh, no, I'll, you know, I'll give it to you actually. And, and, and this might not be a popular opinion uh, because, you know, Peyton Manning is, is the, the, the God of the league, um, which I just personally don't really agree with, but I actually give Demarius Thomas huge credit for um, helping kind of sustain and re rebranding Peyton Manning when he went to Denver. Um, those couple years together right. were incredible and it, 
obviously Demarius Thomas's sure. career years, but really resurrected Peyton Manning's career after he had neck surgeries out of Indianapolis. They didn't think he was ever going to play again. He came back. He was pretty rough. They yep. went to the Super Bowl, got their shit kicked in by the Seahawks, but they came back and they ultimately, you know, were able to get it done. And Peyton walked off in the sunset as honestly one of the worst quarterbacks ever to play in a Super Bowl period. Um, but I think a huge part of that was that defense, sure. but Demarius Thomas um, and Emmanuel Sanders as well. So uh, anyway, it's just, it is a bummer to see, uh, you know, kind of good dudes, um, you know, fade off into the sunset. And one, one quick thing on Demarius Thomas, un-fantasy related. Uh, I saw, it was a couple years ago, maybe, I don't remember. It was just a random, like, CBS uh, pregame, you know, thing before the game started or whatever for the day that I was watching. And they had this segment on, like, Demarius, Demarius Thomas's mom, like his mother showed up to a game um, in Denver. And it was the first game in his life that she was able to like make it to. And he's in the pros. I mean, he's probably been playing for what, 15 years. And it was the first, you know, yeah, I don't know about the that. first game, a the first time. game she yeah. had ever actually made it to. And um, you know, he, with, with his finances and everything, he was able to buy tickets for his entire family who was never actually able to like go to his games for various reasons or whatever. And I just, that's the kind of shit you root for, you know? So anyway, good dude. And uh, it's kind of a bummer, sure. but yeah, I thought this was Michael Thomas too. And I was like, Holy shit, bro, you fucking blew it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, good call. Good call there. Yeah. Thank God. And, and, uh, and yeah. for me, it wasn't, it wasn't as close, but this uh, continues our Rams hate. Um, but basically mine was Brandon cooks. And uh, I just, I just, mm. I basically, I made a note here that I predicted golf to come back to earth from 2017, which didn't happen. And I expected the four headed monster nope. of the uh, wide receiving core of the Rams to eat itself. And I thought that cooks would be the odd man out. Uh, that also didn't happen. Um, Cooper Cup getting hurt, I right. think, helped Cooks significantly. And Josh Reynolds not being Antonio Brown, as we predicted here on the podcast, uh, I think, I think also <laughs> helped Brandon Cooks. But nonetheless, uh, this was a this was a straight up swing and a miss. I think this was like the most inaccurate uh, one that I had of any of these um, gamers or will not draft. This was a, a straight up miss. I think maybe my only just straight up whiff here. Um, Cooks finishes the sixteenth. Uh, wide receiver overall in fantasy points and 22nd in points per game. He was going as the wide receiver 24 in ADP. So he actually exceeded uh, his ADP by eight spots. Um, he would have been significantly higher in overall points if he had made um, more than just five touchdowns. So he had just four or I'm sorry, five touchdown receptions, which was 10th in the league. If he had, you know, close to six or seven, he would have boosted up into a uh, wide receiver one, actually. So he had a really quality year. Only Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, and T.Y. Hilton had more uh, receiving yards and yards per reception than Brandon Cook. So, of course, he has that big playability, and he continued that, which I didn't think he was going to because I made another claim that Brady and Breeze are significantly better than Jared Goff, which I still believe, but that offense and what they do out mm -hmm. there in, in L.A. is pretty incredible. So um, he was able to get that done with the efficiency. Jared Goff impressed me. And uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds all exceeded my expectations, honestly, in uh, arguably the most potent offense this side of Kansas City. So Daniel and I are both, uh, you know, kind of thrown under the bus with our Rams wide receiver core predictions. Uh, so that's a that's a big yep. whoopsies. But uh, if Cooks stays in L.A. Um, and there's kind of talks of he's very expensive, right? And he kind of does this one year situation. So. As of this podcast, he's in L.A. If he stays there, I think he'll be a top 15 wide receiver, maybe a top 12 receiver 2019. If he moves on, we'll have to recalculate. But this 
this was just straight up a, a, a whiff here. I have to own it. And uh, this is straight up a miss on Brandon Cooks. Yeah. No, we can, we can go over that all we want. I think we can, we can, for both, again, like you said, both of us, you know, we, we were hating on the Rams offensive situation for me, my, my, the target of my hatred was, uh, was Robert Woods, who also was a big, big whiff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in general, I think, you know, we, we thought that there was just not going to be enough, enough offensive firepower to go around over there. And the crazy thing about Brandon Cooks is just looking back over his game log, he actually was quite a bit better with Cooper yes. Cup in the, in the game. I mean, he was in his first, first, you know, uh, like 10 weeks of the season, he had a bunch of, of, you know, hundred yard games, you know, three touchdowns. And then Cooper Cup got hurt. He had 100 yard game after that. And then the, re- the entire rest of the season, he never scored more than, uh, or he, or he never, uh, he never got more than 62 receiving yards in a game. So um, he seemed to actually benefit from having Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and, and company healthy and, 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 you know, drawing defenders. So um, assuming the, they keep the same, you know, uh, the same group over there and the, the offense stays intact, you know, we, I think, you know, there's a lot of reason for optimism for cooks and company yeah, next year. I, as well. I, I totally agree. Let's get into our, um, our uh, tight ends and then we'll swing quickly to our uh, bold predictions and our crazy calls here. These, these two are, were kind of uh, alley-oops I thought, but let's get through them. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so for me, I put Jordan Reed. And this is kind of funny to talk about because uh, I was right, but not at all for the reason why I thought it would be <laughs> He right. was actually uh, my, healthy. My, 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 he was on the field, right, from until the very end. And, the, the, you know, Washington was just folding and just, you know, sitting everybody. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan Reed played pretty much, every, you know, every week for the first bunch of weeks of the season for most of it. Um, uh, unlike what I thought he was going to do, I figured he would play a few games, get hurt, and that would be the last we'd hear of him, like in many previous seasons. Uh, this would just came down to he was just wasn't good, um, and and the offense in general wasn't good. Obviously, you know, Alex Smith being first ineffective and then getting completely obliterated, um, you know, didn't help his cause. Uh, but there just was I mean, nobody in that offense, really, with the exception of Adrian Peterson, for at least a decent chunk of the year. Um, had any you know really any value and and unfortunately Jordan Reed got kind of swept up in that finished as I think the tight end 17 um and that's pretty shocking for a tight end who was a on the field most of the games and just in general tight end was kind of a shit show for most of the year especially after you get past Mm -hmm. the top maybe five guys or so um so so you know pretty surprising result I don't really have a good read on him going into next year I honestly I don't know if I'd you know if I'd put him so so uh, clearly on the do not draft list again, especially if you're late in the draft and you, you know, you've missed out on a lot of the top tight ends. I think you could still do worse than Jordan Reed. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I obviously he was quite bad and, and just in general, that offense was really bad and it's not clear what we can expect from it next year. Um, so he's probably somebody that I'm mostly staying away from except for maybe, you know, a, a 16th round, you know, flyer on a second tight end or something along those lines. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely a kind of a, an odd situation this year for Jordan Reed. Uh, you just mentioned that Travis Kelsey's 30. How old do you think Jordan Reed is? I'm, I would be willing to bet that Jordan Reed is 31. I, that's a total guess. I don't know. What is he? Does he, seem, does he seem like he's 35 oh or what, dude? He's, I was say, he's, to me, he's like, I think of him in the long I, lines I, of like dude, Ben Watson. I, I totally agree. That's like. the exact same name I was going to compare to. Yeah. I'm just, I just happened to look it up. Cause I was just curious of like, is he on the downturn of his, of his career? And, and arguably no, not at all. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, really he had, he had no more than seven receptions. He had seven receptions in two games uh, only 
And um, he had, uh, let's see, no more than, geez, no more than 75 yards in any game. And he scored just two touchdowns on the entire season without us knowing who the, t- who the quarterback is. Um, honestly, Alex Smith is another guy uh, that we won't get into, but he's another guy who straight up may not, may never play again with that injury. Um, so depending on the quarterback situation, their entire offense and just the Redskins are, have been a train wreck for years, but their whole situation's up in the air. So I agree with you that he could be a late round flyer, but he's certainly not going to be, he's not going to be any type of target for me at all. Um, in in any sort of draft i i don't know that he's on my do not draft list either just because he's the only game in town as you mentioned now darius guys coming back could change some things maybe they'll get like a receiver but uh the redskins are a joke and honestly outside of darius guys maybe adrian peterson i'm staying away from the team in general well darius guys is no That's, sure thing either i mean because he's had a lot of course. complications in, in recovery is, from his injury so so he's not somebody that I'm overly enthusiastic about at this point. Um, okay, so I'll get into uh, my last tight end here, and then we'll, we'll switch gears, and we'll, we'll wrap up with the uh, bowl predictions and crazy calls. Uh, mine was Greg Olson, and uh, he was going as the tight end five, which uh, made this one pretty much a slam dunk for me. I'm, if he was going as the tight end 10, I probably still would have picked him. But um, nonetheless, I, the, here's, here's my quick <laughs> notes. Uh, he's 33. He lost the OC, Mike Shula. Um, he's coming off of a foot injury. Cam is inaccurate, and there's a beefed up run game, and they drafted DJ Moore. <laughs> that's, that's what I said last year, and I nailed this one. Uh, Olsen missed seven games and the better parts of two others after he suffered two injuries to his feet. Uh, overall, he finishes the tight end 27. Uh, even when he did play, he obviously had lost a step aside from the injuries. He caught just four touchdowns, uh, but that was in seven games, so not a terrible average there. Um, but had more than 50 receiving yards in just two games on the season. Olsen was hurt most of the season, but even when he was healthy, Cam Newton was not. Uh, so Olsen does not uh, – oh, sorry, Olsen does want to play in 2019, um, but we'll see if, if that happens. He'll be, uh, you know, he'll be getting up there, obviously. He'll be 34, so we'll see if he even plays. But he did consider broadcasting um, getting into the booth. I, I believe I made a comment of – I, I thought he should take his talents to the booth, which uh, I, I think you uh, you caught some vitri- uh, vitriol for that. For, um, anyway, I made a comment that I thought he should. I thought he should take his <laughs> talents to the booth. And I was offended. I'm a I'm a great well, fan. Yeah, I mean, I think I was right though. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> so anyway. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll certainly be steering clear of the uh, will be 34 year old vet from the U. Not looking good for Greg Olson. No, no. Unfortunately, I think I have to, I have to secede. You, you, uh, you, or concede, I should say. You, uh, you definitely hit the nail on the head with that one. I thought that he had a shot to come back, and and you know he's old, but you know uh, obviously there was. I thought there was enough of a connection between he and Cam Newton, and enough firepower in that offense to sustain you know him even if it, even on the downslope of his career, but. Too injured, too too ineffective. Uh, so yeah, I agree. Not not somebody I'm interested in next year. Right either. on. Well, that'll do it for our, our gamers and our will not draft players. We'll be doing this segment again as we get closer to the season. But right now, let's switch gears and get into our bold predictions and crazy calls. Crazy. Do you have any idea how crazy you are? 
You mean the nature of this conversation? I mean the nature of you. All right, let's just stay calm here. Don't get all crazy on me. Relax, it's okay. There's no point in being nuts if you can't have a little fun. Where do they teach you to talk like this in some Panama City sailor want a hump hump bar or is this getaway day and your last shot at his whiskey? Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. My first bold prediction was that Matt Ryan bounces back to a top five quarterback. Uh, he was going in the ninth round as the QB 11. Nailed this one. Uh, Ryan ended up as the QB three. Um, and just two and a half fantasy points behind Big Ben for QB2. I expect another top five performance with Dirk Cutter now back in Atlanta, who helped lead Matty Ice to his 2016 MVP season. So was stoked on that one and um, really nailed it with Matt Ryan. I was, I was uh, happy. I think Devonta Freeman getting hurt really helped there. But nonetheless, he was a top five, so I'll stick that one. And I'm just going to run through all five of mine. You can run through all five of yours. Coupled with Matt Ryan, obviously a huge part of that was Julio Jones. My uh, second bold prediction was that Julio Jones was going to score eight-plus touchdowns and end as a wide receiver one. And then I had an additional like side crazy call that he would be traded to the Niners. So he was going as the wide receiver four, and um, he, he, you know, eh, I'll, I'll count this one kind of in that. I predicted that he was going to score eight plus touchdowns. He did get exactly eight touchdowns overall after not scoring any somehow in his first seven games of the season. He ended up as the wide receiver seven overall. Um, and I don't think he's on his way to San Francisco anytime soon, unfortunately, but uh, I will take it um, for <laughs> predicting the touchdown bounce back and picking him um, up in two leagues uh, <laughs> as a draft target. Uh, when he was in his quote slump, I went and targeted him and I, I got him in one league for Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. And I got him in another league um, for Adrian Peterson and Lamar Miller. And um, if it's not for Chris Boswell, I uh, potentially, potentially make it to the championship and win two different leagues. And, and Julio Jones was a huge, huge part of that. So stoked on those bold predictions, uh, nailed them both. My third one was a little bit tricky here, and I've got to maybe convince you to give me the credit on this one. My third one was C.J. Anderson ends the season as an RB1. <laughs> oh, that's so he, funny. He was, he was going yeah, in the eighth yeah, round yeah. with yeah. the ADP RB38. Hear me out, though. Hear me out. Clearly, oh, with you. he didn't do anything until he got to L.A. However, uh, if you take his two games – that he was filling in for Todd Gurley and extrapolate those over 16 games, he would have finished with 344 carries, 2,392 rushing yards, which would have been easily, <laughs> easily an NFL record, 16 rushing touchdowns <laughs> along with two receptions and 10 yards per game through the air, which would have been 383 fantasy points or drum roll, the white, the running back one on the season ahead of his compadre, Christian McCaffrey. So um, when he was playing, he was the best running back in fantasy football, but he only played two games. Do I get the point or not? <laughs> I'll give I'll give you the point because technically the if you if you look at the wording of your of your your call here, it was that he would end the season as an RB1. And indeed he was an RB1 Boom. at the end of the season. So I'll go ahead and uh, in those last <laughs> couple of weeks. But yeah, I, I, difficult admittedly to extrapolate that two game performance over the entire season and and assume that he would have in fact become the greatest running back in the history of the NFL but uh but uh 
you know, you never know, I guess. Uh, hey, not, not, you never know. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Not to mention he was a stud in the playoffs, too. And, and uh, I think I think the three of us, you, For me, sure. and Curly, all stand by the fact that Todd Gurley is, in fact, hurt. Um, there's no way in hell C.J. Anderson would have been C.J. Oh, Anderson yeah. anyway. So moving on. Um, so, okay, well, we'll get – I'll get a I'll get a, a point for that. We'll put a little asterisk. That'll be my my steroid uh, pick for the for the segment. But my next one uh, was nailed too, and I was really stoked on this one actually because um, I predicted uh, number four bold prediction. Nick Chubb leads the Cleveland running backs in total fantasy points in all formats. I nailed this one too, and it so- sounds like an obvious no brainer now. But you have to realize we did these in what July, July, August, going into the right. season. Going into right. that, Nick Chubb was a rookie running back. He was third on the depth chart behind Carlos Hyde, who they brought in uh, handsomely from San Francisco. Um, They had Duke Johnson, of course, and um, Nick Chubb was basically an afterthought, but I just thought maybe the chips would fall for him. Obviously, they did. I nailed this one. Chubb ended up with 190 and a half fantasy points. Carlos Hyde was traded to Jacksonville and uh, at the deadline, and Duke Johnson finished with 128 fantasy points. So Nick Chubb is my RB eight right now um, going into 2019, which again, we'll get into our rankings later on, but right now he's my RB eight. And currently I'm not worried about Kareem hunt uh, being added to the Browns, but we'll obviously figure out what happens with Kareem hunt and and see what happens. But assuming he's suspended for any length of time, Nick Chubb is is certainly the horse there. I think Kareem hunt is, is uh, more of a, uh, more of a, maybe a political thing at some level, uh, but also just um, some insurance there. So uh, nailed it on Nick Chubb. My fifth bold prediction uh, was a swing and a miss for sure. Um, and I was a little surprised on this one, actually, but I, I predicted that um, Naheem Hines was going to be this year's Alvin Kamara. I made a mention that he had the similar build. Alvin Kamara was two inches and 15 pounds uh, more than Naheem Hines, but um, they had a similar ADP in the eight, uh, 10th round, rather, their um, rookie seasons. And uh, this was not even close, honestly. Um, the measurables are similar, but the stats yeah. weren't. Uh, Kamara finishes an RB1 his rookie year. Hines had 15-plus fantasy points in just three games and less than 10 in nine games. I didn't expect Marlon Mack to be as legit as he was in 2018 is basically what it came down to. So I will eat it on uh, number five with Naheem Hines, but I'm going to take credit on the first four. I was pretty stoked on those bold predictions. Yeah, yeah. No, that's pretty solid. You did, I think, a lot better than <laughs> I did. Uh, so let's go ahead and but- – Let's go ahead into some of my gems that I threw out there at the beginning of the year. So let's start off with number one. Deshaun Watson will finish outside the top eight QBs in fantasy. Nope. He most certainly outside the top eight. What was he number four, I think. Um, So, uh, so yeah, nope. Deshaun Watson's the truth. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and eat all of my preseason Deshaun Watson hating. The dude is legit. Go ahead and grab him next year. Number four QB for me right now. Yep. That, that totally makes sense. I would, I would definitely draft him in that range. Um, the next one, Rashad Penny outscores Kareem Hunt, swinging a bit, just a bit. What did Rashad? I think Kareem Hunt ended up as number twelve. I think missed and, half the uh, and uh, I know he didn't even play for you know the good chunk of the end there. And Rashad Penny was sixty six, not quite, <laughs> not quite uh, where I wanted him. I will say uh, Rashad Penny is somebody to watch heading into next year. He was actually quite effective when he was allowed to carry the ball. Unfortunately, kind of stuck in a three man committee with. Uh, kind of behind uh, Chris Carson and Mike Davis um, for a lot of the year. Mike Davis is gone. Uh, Chris Carson will definitely still be the number one, but I think, you know, Rashad Penny, uh, he's going to enter the new year as the clear number two. He, I, I would not actually be surprised if he leapfrogged Chris Carson for the starting mm-hmm. role and for, for a starting role or at least kind of a, a, a dual threat 
role uh, in camp. I think he's definitely somebody to keep in mind at the later rounds uh, for next year. So I'm still I'm not off the the Rashad Penny hype train. It just didn't wasn't in the cards for him this year. Um, what was my next one? Kenny here? Stills. I? I lost my oh, Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills. All right, Kenny Stills, top thirty wideout, swing and a miss. Where was he? Let me look at my list here. He was fifty something, is my guess. Uh, not to mention he knocked you out of the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, that's right. Because the, the game that he had, he you know, had like his one 200-yard game or whatever the hell that was, uh, completely screwed me. So, yeah, Kenny Stills not only did not even come close to the top 30, but uh, managed to somehow screw me in more interesting <laughs> ways as well. So, uh, you know, Kenny Stills, I, you know, I still don't dislike Kenny Stills' skill set. I mean, he can he really, at times this year, he showcased – his incredible playmaking ability. He averaged 15.5 yards per reception. He he got uh, six touchdowns. Um, but ultimately, he's you know he's a he's a straight up boomer bust you know wide receiver four type. He's never I don't think going to be a lead receiver. Um, he's one of those guys, deep threat guys that could have these crazy games that knocks you out of the fantasy playoffs and then be completely silent for weeks at a time. Um, so so I still think he's a you know a useful skilled receiver, but but never somebody right. who's going to probably this fourth one was there. was spot on though, man. You nailed this one. Yeah, this one was, you know, again, this is one of those kind of like yours with Chubb. Uh, you know, it seems almost silly now. Like, what were, was it really that bold? And it was. Uh, George Kittle outscoring Evan Ingram in fantasy. I mean, this was – Evan Ingram was going quite a bit ahead of George Kittle in drafts. I think people were concerned about Kittle's injury uh, issues and shoulder issues. Um, and Ingram, of course, coming off, you know, a really, really so- uh, nice year in 2017. Um, but but everything kind of happened as – you know, I have to have to give myself a little pat on the back. Everything happened exactly as I thought it would play out. Kittle stayed healthy and showed his unbelievable playmaking ability. Um, and Evan Engram showed that 2017 was was certainly going to be an outlier in his career. He's just simply not – I mean, he had issues staying healthy potentially if he's able to uh, – to 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 stay uh, have a year of of being on the field more maybe he could return to some of that glory but especially not until the Giants offense kind of uh, you know gets some new leadership new quarterback um, I'm not expecting much from Ingram going forward um, not to say that he's not draftable especially given you know how weak tight end is but he's not somebody that I'm overwhelmingly excited about let's put it that way um, and then the last one is kind of a tragic one Marshawn Lynch is a top 18 running back it seemed like for a while he had a shot to actually make that he really did look quite good when he was on the field unfortunately a he kept getting you know game flowed game scripted out where where you know Oakland would fall behind by 800 points in had halftime and and you know Marshawn Lynch wouldn't get a carry again for the rest of the game so that happens you know far too often and then of course you know uh getting hurt and and being done from mm-hmm. the for the year potentially for his career um, it's not entirely clear right now if he's going to play again next year. If he does play, again, I maintain that he's somebody worth considering. Uh, he was pretty effective when he was on the field. He really looked good. And, and as not that I watched all the games, but everything that I kind of get a you know, reading and get a sense of is that uh, based on, quote, unquote, the eye test of people who really watched his performance, he still had it big time. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it, we'll see if he actually ends up giving it another go and, and if he can recover from his injuries, uh, even if he does decide to give it another go. Um, nevertheless, I maintain, I maintain my love of Marshawn Lynch, uh, you know, one of my favorite players ever right. to do it. Um, so, so I, you know, I, I take pride in, in making him part of my bold prediction, but ultimately. Yep. And there's, out. there's a good chance that Marshawn Lynch lives like within what, five miles of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like he straight up does hanging out. He's, he's too busy spending his time uh, uh, hanging around with Draymond Green's mom. <laughs> well, other than that, uh, he, 
he might he might be he might be uh somebody so hopefully we can we can yeah check yeah him teach, out te- teach their own man teach their own um all right man let's get into our uh let's get into our uh crazy calls going a step further here and we will uh we will jump ship so really quick our bold predictions were basically things that we could see like realistically could happen if the chips fall crazy calls are just straight up like gut calls like eh fuck it let's you know and i made a comment that if any of these things happen then the league is basically turned upside down and some of them did and clearly changed the the outcome so i'll go through again i'll go through my five you go through your five the first one here stoked uh on this one so my first crazy call was that lamar jackson and baker mayfield end the season as qb1s both both had an unranked adp at the time of the recording now nailed it right like, see if you give me credit here. If we count the weeks that they were actually starters, this holds. Lamar took over in week 11 and was the QB7 for the remainder of the season. For his first NFL, uh, from his first NFL start in week four, Baker was the QB11 for the remainder of the season. So both of them QB1s from the time that they started. Uh, Jackson set an NFL record for rush attempts by a, Q- a quarterback in just seven weeks and nearly led the Ravens uh, to a playoff win over the Chargers. And Baker Mayfield set the rookie record for passing touchdowns at 27, breaking uh, Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson's previous record of 26. So these guys took a minute to get rolling, but once they got in there, they're studs, and I love them both moving forward. Crazy call number two, Andrew Luck, QB 12, and Jimmy G, QB 9, will not be QB 1s, kind of. Obviously, uh, you know, Luck finished fifth overall and Jimmy G was lost for the season in week three with a torn ACL. So Luck is me is my QB three right now uh, heading into 2019. And Jimmy G is my QB 19 as it stands in my rankings. Number three, Cameron Meredith. Do we remember Cameron Meredith? Cameron Meredith. Nice. Cameron Meredith ends as a wide receiver, two. He was it was uh, getting drafted in the 11th round at wide receiver 52. This is a full whoopsies. Uh, Cameron Meredith played portions of three games over three over weeks three through five uh, being um, lost again for the season for the second year in a row. And I think the ship has sailed, unfortunately, on Cameron Meredith. I had high hopes with him moving on from Chicago into New Orleans, but not so much. I thought he'd be maybe like a Marcus Colston uh, clone, but uh, that just didn't work out. Number four, James Washington outscores Juju Smith-Schuster. Hey, uh, this was also a swing and a miss. Uh, Juju, Juju, Juju finished <laughs> wide receiver eighth and will take over for uh, Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh as the number one option for the Steelers. James Washington finished wide receiver 120. Uh, that said, Washington will be one of my sleepers in 2019 as he will be the new Juju. So I'm stoked on uh, Washington. I think it was just a year early on this one. Number five. Someone other than Gronk, Kelsey, or Ertz finishes as the tight end one. Uh, this was also a swing and a miss. Uh, Kittle gave a valiant effort finishing as the uh, third tight end, but not quite enough. Kelsey and Ertz finished wide, uh, tight ends nine, uh, excuse me, tight ends one and two, and outscored the rest of the field by 30 plus fantasy points. Gronk may retire before 2019, and Kittle is the new Ertz for 2019. 19 so really stoked on that but basically if you're planning to get one of these top tight ends you better be willing to spend a second third round draft pick and uh, it's worth it in my opinion but Gronk right now is going in like the 11th round um, which is just kind of crazy with the name but you know I think he's gonna be more of a blocking tight end at this point so uh, you know I'm gonna give myself what maybe like one and a half out of five there that was that was pretty 
that was pretty that was pretty rough but you know again crazy calls if any of these are right it's nuts so the fact that i got the baker and lamar jackson i'll i'll, I'll take it so um why don't you knock out your five men and we'll and we'll skip Sure. Well, let's start with uh, with a player who never played, Marquise Lee. Uh, my prediction for him was that he was going to catch 80 passes for over 1,000 no. yards. Nope, he caught zero, zero passes for zero yards. Uh, blew out his knee in horrible fashion in the preseason, in third, their third preseason game, never played a snap. Uh, don't know what to make of him heading into next year. It's not entirely clear where he's going to be or what his role is going to be. So uh, we'll just see what happens. I still think he's got some talent. I still like him as a player, but, um, but you know, obviously nothing, nothing doing right now. Um, two, Keenan Allen is not the leading receiver on the Los Angeles Chargers. Incorrect. He finished as the wide receiver, what, 12, I think. Let me just double check that really quickly. Uh, yep. Wide receiver 12 in PPR league. So the next best, uh, charger was Mike Williams who finished number 32. So needless to say, that was swing and a miss. I will say that, um, this is a bold prediction. I'd almost consider I, making again. If you don't, I will. If you don't, I will. <laughs> or a crazy call, I should say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Mike Williams' prospects heading into to 2019. Um, you know, he could he could very well finally break out in the way that people people have been predicting. It's hard to tell, but uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, I think my thinking was was reasonable here. But uh, you know, Keenan Allen's still obviously very talented. Um, third uh, crazy call: Josh Reynolds outproduces Robert Woods. Uh, needless to say, that didn't work out. Robert Robert Woods was not only uh, just generally, uh, of course, really, really, really good. But he actually finished as the best wide receiver on uh, on the uh, Los Angeles Rams potent offense. Um, you know, uh, and Josh Reynolds, to 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 our credit, did uh, you know have a role late down the stretch uh, after Cooper Cup got hurt and played pretty well. Definitely a name to keep in mind for the future over there. I think he is going to be one of their yep. top wide receivers of the future. Uh, but a there's a combination of jumping the gun uh, in terms of you know making that call too early in his career, and also just not giving enough credit to Robert Woods. I did not buy into Robert Woods at all heading this year. Uh, I was very wrong about that. So I'll go ahead and eat that one. Um, number four, Christian McCaffrey has over 1,800 combined yards, but annoys fantasy owners by scoring fewer than 10 touchdowns. Incorrect. He did have more than 1,800 yards. In fact, he finished just shy of 2,000 combined yards, um, but he did manage to score 13 touchdowns. Uh, my thinking on this was that Cam Newton would just vulture all his touchdowns at the goal line. Um, it did happen to some extent, but not enough to, to really hurt Christian McCaffrey's fantasy. Well, my thought, my thought was that C.J. Anderson might get a carry in 12 games. Right. Yep. 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 Exactly. You thought you, you, that was another thought was that CJ Anderson would, would have utility. Uh, and instead he, uh, did whatever, did everyone, what did what everybody predicted and head to the team with literally the best running back in the league and somehow, uh, <laughs> all into significant fantasy usage. Uh, anyway. Uh, and then my last one was an, actually, let me see. I, you know, I was looking at uh, tight end, numbers here let me see where jimmy graham ended up finishing he finished 12th so he did technically finish as a tight end one which will tell you just how bad yep. tight end was this year because jimmy graham really wasn't good but my prediction was that uh mike Kosicki of the dolphins would outperform jimmy graham in fantasy uh needless to say it didn't happen mike Kosicki was basically a non-factor throughout the entirety of the year um and it's too bad i, I still feel like he might you know, have some latent talent. He's, I think, a name to keep in mind for the future. But, uh, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on the Dolphins and their offense and their quarterback situation in particular. It looks like they're going to be moving on from Ryan Tannehill. But it's not entirely clear what's going to happen in his place. So, so um, you know, that's some, something to keep in mind. But big swing and a miss sure. for this and, year. And, again, these are crazy calls, man. These crazy calls are just, you know, things that we're shooting in the dark for fun to see what happens. And, 
we'll have a whole nother set of these coming in down the pipeline. So uh, stoked to stoked to get this one in, man. These recap episodes are fun. I mean, they're long, obviously, but it's more just like I, I uh, made a mention in a previous episode. It's important that we go back and we see what we got right and what we got wrong, not to give ourselves street cred per se, but it's more just like that's how you learn, right? You go back and you, and you and you say, okay, this happened to this player, and why did it happen that way? When you do your research, that actually gives you perspective versus just seeing the end of the season numbers. So, um, well done on on uh, on this episode, and I look forward to doing more recap episodes. That'll do it for this recap episode. Be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to tckpod@gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at the Candlestick Kids. We use the hashtag tckpod if you want to check out previous posts. Make the most of the rest of your day, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. For Dana Sancato, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.